Uh, my name is Heath. Uh, I'm the lead pastor here at Reach. I'm excited that you're here this morning. We're starting a new series today that's only going to last this week and next week called His Way. Leading up to next week, which is Easter, is the best way for not, not us to just celebrate Jesus, but to celebrate the reality that Jesus has shown us in the cross that we cannot and He can. And over the next two weeks, we're really going to hammer in on the reality that His way is going to be the best for us. Plain and simple. The struggle that we're going to talk about today is the losing or giving up of our way. Which is a struggle. It is. I, I don't know if you struggle with that. Maybe you're someone in here this, today that you're just like, no problem, do whatever. Like, Lord, I'm yours. Like, I'm going to listen and obey every second of every day. But the reality is, is most of us in this room aren't there yet, including this guy up here that might fall over the speaker. Some of us still need to be realigned with the reality that what God wants to do in and through us is the best thing that we have and we can contribute to the world around us. So here, here's a thought. And no husbands and wives or family members. Don't Let's not touch each other during this moment. No elbows. Like, you'll understand. Have you ever thought that you had it right only to find out that you were wrong? Anybody? No. Like, I'm always right. I'm sorry, you're not. I'm going to say that for your spouse who's beside you going, wanting to elbow you as hard as they can, maybe crack a rib. <laughs> but let, let me tell you, oh, oh, too, this one just happened this morning, and he's here, and I told him that I was going to do this, so he said he was going to leave. So if my son gets up and walks out, I'm going to point at him, and y'all are going to all stare. So this morning it was cold. In our, you know, this morning, like we got here, he came with me to help us set up. He does almost every Sunday. Good job, Noah. Um, and it was cold leaving the house. And so I put on a jacket. I'm like, hey, get a jacket. And so I get in the car because I'm carrying all the other stuff. And he gets in the car who that is cold. Like I didn't go in there and crank it up and get it warm. And it's freezing cold. And he's got his shirt on. And he's like this, you know, and I told him it's cold. It's not cold. We're going to be warm inside. And like he keeps trying to turn the heat up with. The reality is that the car's not going to heat up any faster than the car's going to heat up. And he's cold, and he's wanting to put one of his arms inside of his shirt. And I was like, no, no, you didn't want a jacket. You don't need to use your shirt like that. Men don't need jackets, right? <clears throat> you know, but there's lots of things just like that that we do that we know, like, you know, I, I know better than whatever. Fill in the blank. And I'm going to tell you a little story that um, almost led us to not being here. Almost led us to not having this church here, and some of you know this story, and a lot of you probably don't, but um, I started off in ministry in 2002, becoming the youth pastor of a church in Southern Pines called Grace Church, and I was bivocational, which means that I worked a full-time job outside of youth ministry and did youth ministry, and so for six of the nine years that I was there, I was bivocational. I worked 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. Um, had a youth group on Wednesday. Originally moved it to Sunday so that I would have time and not come to that um, my youth ministry sweaty and dirty and nasty from the job that I, I worked at. And 
I grew our youth ministry from about 15 to 20 kids to over 100. And I thought, 100 was always my number. Like, when we got to 100, of course, they're going to have to hire me. And my wife and I had had, um, okay, my wife had two children. <laughs> I don't know why. So we had two kids. Um, pretty, so literally, um, April 2002, I became youth pastor. May 2002, Lydia, our oldest, was born. 19 months later, Noah was born. Um, and it was crazy. So I, I worked 50 hours a week outside of church. And then in church, I was probably 15 to 20 hours a week worth of responsibilities of meeting people and leading the youth group, and it was, it was just a crazy season. And towards the end of that six years, I was just getting to a place that I was going to burn out or I was going to have to get another job, like I was going to have to get a full-time position. And, and just I got an email from a lady that I knew that said there was a job opening in Greensboro, a full-time position, uh, at a church that the guy who mentored me when I got saved was there at the church. And the guy who was the senior pastor of this church used to be part of this organization called Young Life, which is the organization that I got saved in. And, and I, not that I wanted to leave my position. I mean, some of the kids that were in my youth group at that point, I had been their youth pastor since they were in middle school, since they entered the door and not just flippantly said, hey, you know, I want a full-time job more than anything. And so um, we went up. We, we called and started making the interaction to have an interview. And, and during this, I had full... Um, transparency with my senior pastor like he I didn't do this behind his back I mean he knew like I'm gonna have an interview with this church just to see you know maybe God's doing something and so we I drove up there on a Friday night and so I well let me tell you this so I had a conversation with the pastor and it was like hey just you know he had already had said you know I need to lose one of my jobs I can't do this much longer um and he's just like you know our funds just aren't in a position that we can hire you and um I told him that I was going up there, and he literally, it made me mad at the moment, um, but it fits into this. He was like, yeah, 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 you can go interview. I, I don't think you're going anywhere, but yeah, go interview. <laughs> oh, you'll see, buddy. Like, okay, you can tell me I'm not going anywhere. Uh, I love Randy. And so we went up there on a Friday night, and I met with their um, senior pastor, their youth, their guy who was organizing their youth ministry and a couple of their key leaders and had a great like two-hour conversation uh, interview and um, at the end of it I was like really feeling like man this this might be it this might be where God's leading us and so I had told the people that I interviewed with you know unless um, Jody and I would need to come and sit in a service because if I'm not if I don't feel the Sunday morning like I don't want to be your youth pastor like if I like if I'm not in service and go man this can be my church like it's not going to happen. So I, I left telling them that on Friday night, drove the hour back to my home. And before I got to my home, I got a, a phone call from uh, one of the people that I did the interview with. And they were like, man, we really, we just talked the last 45 minutes and we really um, had a great feeling about you. We'd love for you to come this Sunday and just come to church and, you know, meet, see our youth. Because I think theirs was going on Sunday mornings when they did that. And so Jody and I made the arrangements to drive up there and we drove up there thinking like literally we had looked at school, like where, you know, what do the schools look like up there? We had looked at housing, what did housing look like up there? And got there, set in church, and like 15 minutes in, we both looked at each other and said, this is it. I mean, literally, like we were thinking, like this is where God's moving us. And in, 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 in that moment, because we were interested in what God wanted to say, we weren't interested in just Heath having one job. And getting paid to do what he felt like I was supposed to be paid to do. 
And so we um, had lunch with a guy afterwards. I called the senior pastor uh, like two days later and just said, hey, you know, take us off the list. We just we don't feel like this is the place that we're supposed to go. Um, and the guy was like, well, if you change your mind, <laughs> give us a call. Because they only interview like one person at a time. They don't look at other candidates. They focus on the one person. And, and we drove back home um, going, I still have these two jobs because I don't want to quit the one. I, I love youth ministry, but <laughs> can't afford to just have the one job. And so I think this was August or September, and we just decided, like, I was just going to do both. And in January of that year, I became the full-time youth pastor at um, Grace. And I say this, and I tell you this story because there's, there's so many things in our world and in our logical thinking that seem like this is right. Because it, it concerns me. And, and for our family, that seems like a right decision because, you know, they would pay me enough that that could be my only job. I would be in full-time ministry, which I thought, this is before I was in full-time ministry, you know, in, before you're in full-time ministry, you look at it like, oh my gosh, like they're going to pay me to read my Bible and to read books and to go to conferences and it's going to be awesome! The reality of full-time ministry is nothing like that. <clears throat> but, but you know, we just thought, like, this, this was going to be it for our family. And, and we really submitted to the reality that God had his best interest for us. And, and to tell you the truth, if we would have ignored that, we would have accepted that job, and I would not be here today. There would be no Reach Community Church. There would be nothing going on as far as reach is concerned, there may not even be a lepta. Um, he would have still planted, but it might not be lepta. It might not be something else. But it's so easy for us to take our reality and put it over everything else. And what, what we think is best. And that, that's the danger when we begin to look at this reality, that it's his way and not our way. Because the only way that we get there, and I'm going to talk about one of my favorite guys, Peter. And we're going to talk about a reality that even though Jesus spoke some words, even though Jesus said, this is what's going to happen, Peter said, no, no, that's not what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen. In our reality, as we get close to Easter next weekend, as we get close to looking at the cross in depth, is that what Jesus says is always going to be the right way. It may not be the easy way. It may not be the most convenient way, but it will always be the right way. I wrote here, and the one thing is sometimes we get it wrong, but all the time Jesus gets it right. And we cannot take our, you know, third, you know, in baseball, if you're batting 300, like you're, you're doing great. 300 meaning you've missed a lot of shots. Like, we cannot take our batting average and think, you know, we're statistically doing all right and saying, I'm going to bank off that versus the reality that my father loves me and has the best for me and he's going to lead me in this way. <clears throat> so we're going to start in Matthew 16, uh, and I'm going to go through verses 21 through 26, and we're going to jump over to Matthew 26. And so leading into 16, Jesus was leading his ministry up to this point. And, and if you don't know this, Jesus was born for a purpose. 
He didn't get that purpose later on. He was literally born with that purpose, which I believe every single one of us in this room were born with a purpose that God has intended us for. Jesus was born for a purpose, and from day one, he, he preached the kingdom of God. He preached what he had been put in place there to do, period. And everything was leading him to the cross, which no one around him understood that, even though he clearly told them on several occasions, this is what must happen to me. And they didn't like it. And so this is on one occasion that Jesus is foretelling his death and resurrection to his disciples, to the ones who of everyone should get it. Like, I think sometimes, don't take this wrong, sometimes Christians that are so close that sometimes we, just like the disciples, miss the one thing that God is trying to say, look, this is what I need you to do, but we can be so close to it. And here it is in verse 21. It says, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem to suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. There's no clear like this wasn't vague language. This wasn't like it might happen or, you know, maybe this is another parable. He is being very clear. And it says, on the third day, be raised, which I think is hilarious. So, like, he's telling them this. They know through his own words that he will be raised from the dead in three days. And you know how many people were waiting for him at the tomb? No one. Even the ladies that were there, they weren't waiting for his resurrection. They were there to complete his burial. No one. And this is the key in his way. Jesus is telling us. This is what must happen. You know, we think looking on this end going, man, we would have been there like we had had the worship team gathered outside of the tomb going, we're going to pray this thing in. We're going to worship him out of the tomb. But no, no one was there. And so after hearing this, Peter. Peter, love Peter, Peter should give all of us a little hope. Because when you think like, I can't be Paul, some of you might be like Paul, and you're just brilliant, and you get everything, and you do most things right, which he wasn't perfect. He was a little arrogant and a little hard-headed at times. But Peter, Peter did lots of stuff. Like, I love Peter. Like, Peter, (laughs) some days when I beat my head up against the wall, I'm like, Jesus had Peter. Still needs me. Well, he doesn't need me, but he still can use me. Um, 22. And here, here's where the brilliant of I know better comes out. In verse 22, and it says, and Peter took him aside. Could you imagine? Hey, Jesus. 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 I mean, you ever do that? Like you're, you're in public and your kid just does something that they shouldn't have. And you're like not going to overreact right there. I mean, sometimes we do. I understand. We see it. But... But sometimes you're just like, hey, you're calm enough to go, hey, come, come on, let's, let's go have a conversation over here. Um, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, far be it from you, Lord. Like he, He's using the word Lord, which is a submitted term, like this is my master. Far be it from you, master, 
that you do what you just said that you're going to do. Now, part of it we have to understand from the lens of Peter and most of the people here is that they were waiting for a Messiah king that was going to roll in and take over the world again. That was their expectation. They were not looking for a suffering Messiah, even though that's what the scripture said was going to happen. They were looking for a conquering king. And so Jesus has said it. He's taken him aside and he said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Verse 23, it says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) I find this hilarious. He just called one of his disciples that he handpicked. I mean, we know about Judas. Forget Judas for just a second. But he handpicked these guys, and we know what Peter's going to be later, but he calls him Satan, the deceiver. Like, okay, get behind me, Satan. It's a bad day when God calls you Satan. (laughs) And listen to this, listen to this. You are a hindrance to me. And here's the key. This is what we're settling in over this week, leading to next week's. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but of the things of men. See, this is the danger as we look at the reality that all of this, Christianity is not a club that we join so that we get heaven. Christianity is is centered around a Messiah that went to the cross to die for us, for us to become His servants, to become His loyal servants, slaves, if you must, that we submit to His Lordship and and we say, your words are what we live by. And here's Peter, who just, and I know, I know, he's, he's, He's half in, half out. I mean, he doesn't fully get it like we do. We look back and we we get angry at some of these people. I mean, just like, you know, when they went through the Red Sea, we feel like we would have never 40 days later made a golden calf. Do not think so well of yourself. And that's what's going on is Peter is looking at Jesus going, I don't want you to go away. So what you just said, I'm going to rebuke you. I'm going to say, no, this is never going to be. And Jesus is telling him is you have set your mind on what you desire and what you want versus. What I'm saying is going to happen because the key is if Jesus has declared it, it will be. If The Bible has declared it. It will be. We cannot look at the words of God and say, well, I want it my way. Is it Burger King or McDonald's? Burger King, have your way. Like, I feel like you did one. I need to do one. (laughs) This isn't, you know, Christianity isn't Burger King that you get to take a little what you desire. Christianity is God, and we're going to get there really quickly in 24. It's He's going to clarify. He's saying, this is what you have. This is what I'm offering you. You don't get to take the good things that you want. Like, I want heaven. I want freedom. 
I want healing, but I don't want any of the suffering. I don't want any of the things, any of the hard things that you're going to call me to. And so in verse 24, which you, you've probably heard this is a very, um, you know, everybody talks about you've got to carry your cross. They're not even like we see it like we're seeing it through the imagery of the cross. The cross at this point has not happened. He didn't say at this point that I'm going to hear it, but he's telling them in verse 24. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone. And he's not just talking about his 12. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? He, he's telling his disciples, guys, you've got to understand if if you want me, this is what it looks like. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Christianity is not, again, a club that you pay your entry fee and you've now entered into Christianity. Christianity is a way of life of letting ourselves be, which Christian literally means little Christ, of saying, this person, Jesus, is the one that we look to for wisdom. This person, Jesus, is the one who leads and guides us. And he's telling them right now, look, we, you, because he just told Peter, you cannot set your minds on what you want. You have to set your minds on the things of God. And he leads them to this place. That if you're going to come after me, you're going to have to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. We're going to jump forward to uh, Matthew 26. This is this is the, like right before Jesus is betrayed. So we saw in 16 where Jesus tells his disciples, this is what's going to happen. Peter rebukes him saying, no, 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 that's not going to happen. He didn't learn his lesson after being rebuked already once and, and referred to as Satan. But in verse 30, chapter 26, it says, and when... They had sung a hymn. They went out to the Mount of Olives. Verse 31, it says, Then Jesus said to them, listen to this, You will all fall away because of me this night. We've already seen in verse 16, when Jesus speaks, this is what's going to happen. And, and Jesus, the Lord, is telling them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written. It's not even just what I'm saying, what I'm creating. He's saying it has been written. It has been recorded that this is what is going to happen. And then he quotes the prophetic word. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, still also alluding to the resurrection, I will go before you to Galilee. He's even telling them, look, guys, when I come out, you're not going to be there. I'm going to go here ahead of you. In verse 33, 
steal Peter. Love Peter. And Peter answered him, like, can you be any more arrogant? Like, I'm sure he got loud. You know, when dudes get around each other and it's like, who can do the best? Who's going to be the bravest? You know, who's going to, like, show themselves? I'm sure he stood up in front of them, stuck out his tip, sucked in his gut. He didn't have a gut because they didn't have McDonald's or Bird, Bird King or, or Pizza Hut. <laughs> Come to Pizza Hut. Uh, and Peter answered him, though all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Look at this guy. He's not going anywhere, Jesus. Though all, I mean, how cocky is this? Like all, he's basically, I bet he made eye contact. Though you and you and you, definitely you and you, you're, you're going to run, but not this guy. I will never fall away. In verse 34, it says, Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So not only are you not going to hang around when they come and get me. But when you're hiding in the shadows, you're going to be you're going to be just loosely connected to me by words, by this little girl. And you're going to reject that you're going to. No, 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 no. I don't know him to the point that he starts calling down curses from heaven. He said some dirty words, too. That's not in the Bible. And. Peter still hasn't learned his lesson in verse 35. Like, I think at one at some point, you just be quiet. What's the Proverbs like? You know, it's better to keep your mouth shut and then open it and let everybody know that you're an idiot. Like, sometimes you can, you want to be smart? Say less. Husbands, that is not permission for you to never speak to your wife, okay? He said, no. But look at this. He, he still don't get it. Verse 35, it says, Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. <laughs> and I love, I love this too. It's like I look at all these things, it's, it's, it's comedy. When you get one brave knucklehead, usually there's other knuckleheads that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and all the disciples said the thing, yeah, yeah, we're with, we're with him. Until the clubs and spears come out and they run. You know, it's hilarious. And I, I love this. We may talk about it next week. There's one of them that even ran away naked. So, like, he's got his, like, night clothes on. And they grab his night clothes. And he's, like, ooh, naked. Like, streaking away. Like, he's, like, I don't You keep the clothes. I'm gone. Look at this. And we're almost done with this. John five nineteen. I think this is the beauty and Jesus trying to continue to teach us through his own obedience to his father. Because we're looking at the words of Jesus when he's saying, hey, they will be and in the confusion of going, well, you know, I don't like. That idea of losing you, Jesus. So I'm going to say no to that. And then you're going to tell me that I'm going to walk away from you tonight. It's not even like a prophetic word that may happen years down the road tonight. So within 12 hours, we will know whether it's true or not. And I love that all of those are rooted in this reality of John 5, 19. 
because he, he was being um, accused, not accused, but he was being confronted about what authority does, does he have and, and why is he doing what he's doing. In verse 19 it says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing on his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, does that the Son does likewise. So, if we are a little Christ, Christ is telling us that every single thing he did, every word that he spoke, every person he healed, every miracle that he performed, he did strictly by what the Father had led him to do. do you, you notice, I think sometimes we think everywhere Jesus went, every single person gets healed. And, and we know at least on one account where he walked in to the pool of Bethsaida, I think. And there's one person that has been an invalid for 38 years. And, and that one guy was healed. And we know by the fact that this pool's very presence, that invalids were all there. But this one man was used because Jesus was being obedient to the Father's words. We cannot claim Christ without listening and obeying to Christ. We cannot. It's just like I cannot claim to be married, but then never see my wife never interact with my wife, never have, come in contact with my wife. We, we cannot claim a connection that is not then shown by us. I think part of the reason why the name of Christ is so defamed here in the South and everywhere else is because lots of people claim the name of Jesus without submitting to the name of Jesus. And so they live all of their life by their own accord. And they sprinkle Jesus over what they decide to say, this is my Christian life. Instead of going, my life is His and I'm called to do what He's called me to do. And, and, and this is not like, well, He's called you all into ministry, which He has. Matthew 28 for that one. He's given us all a mandate, whether you are paid or not. But he has called all of us to listen and obey him. So I have two questions. Uh, we can go ahead and have our worship team come back up. I have two questions that I want us to wrestle with. And they're key. I, I don't want you to just, you know, kind of, eh, yeah, 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 I agree. Yes, check yes, check no. This isn't the eighth grade where, you know, you get the date note. Do you like me? Check yes or check no. So here's the two questions. Have you submitted to live for Christ? Have you submitted your life? And if you don't know what submission looks like, it means that your life is no longer yours. Just like he said, you're denying yourself, you've taken up your cross, and you're following Jesus. <clears throat> and my second question to wrestle with this morning, are you actively listening to the Father? 
Because I think sometimes we go, yes, I've submitted, I've acknowledged that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and that Jesus is my Savior. But then we we take that one thing from him, salvation, we put it in our pocket and then we still live our life to our own accord. So have you submitted to live for Christ and and are you actively listening to the Father? Because if Jesus tells us in Luke 5 that we just read that he only does what he hears the Father tell him to do and he only do, do he only does what he sees the Father doing. That he's actively looking to the Father of what to go, where to go and what to do and what to say. And if you answered yes to both of those, and this is not perfection. This does not mean, like, you're perfect. Let me just rule that out. No one in here is perfect. Including the, the Yahoo that stands up here with a microphone around his ear that sometimes makes noise when he talks to us. Not. But it means, are you willing daily to submit because it's it's a it's a daily thing. It's not a one time acknowledgement. It's not like, yes, I got saved and baptized on this date and that was it. It is every day because Jesus said. You're going to have to deny yourself. And pick up your cross and follow me. And so if you're submitting and you're doing your best to be in the word and pray and listen to the father and be obedient to what he's calling you to do. Here's the next part. Because it's one thing to submit, and it's another thing to listen. It's another thing altogether to act on that. So are you, are you acting on what you've heard? So as we lead up to Easter, as we look at the cross, we're not just looking at the cross to free ourselves from our burden. We're looking at to the cross, to free ourselves from our burden, that it engages us into the kingdom that God is creating. And so I challenge you this morning, as we get closer to the cross, and as, as you think through this week about who next week, you're going to say, how hey, I'd love for you to be my guest at church. Because your friends, like I heard it on a, um, a secular radio station the other day, talking about, you know, going to church like this week. More people than ever will enter churches than they do other times. If you haven't submitted and if you aren't interested in leading, listening right now. The beauty of the cross is it draws you in. Hey, Peter needed several times to come to the reality that his way was not going to work so that he could bend the knee, and he does. He go, Jesus goes right to Peter, and he tells me, if you love me, feed my sheep three times. He, he builds, he even tells them beforehand, Satan desires to shift you like wheat, but when you return, strengthen your brother's. The only peace, the only joy that we'll ever have is living submitted to the one that created us. The one that's giving you life right now. The one that is allowing you to breathe. The one that's holding all of this that we enjoy together.
And the beauty of the cross is he once and for all has communicated his love for you. He's proven his love for you. It's not something that you have to question. The only thing that you have to question is your ability or your not ability, your willingness to surrender. Your willingness, even as you have said yes to Jesus, to daily choose to say I'm yours tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning to wake up and go, God. I just want to serve you. And the beauty is, is he even get his word for those that work in the secular world and say, is there value? Jesus says, do all things unto me. You can serve and be obedient to God in the field that you're in right now. And bring as much pleasure to Jesus in your service there than I could here in my position. And so as I close, I just challenge you that use this last song to just potentially surrender, potentially just go, God, I need more of you. Like literally almost every Sunday morning as we're worshiping half of it, I'm trying to get the words right, you know, and not sync because I'm loud and people hear me get the words wrong if I get it wrong. But the other part of me is going, God, I just I need you. I need you to speak to me. And God isn't any more interested in speaking to me than he is in speaking to you. It's the same Holy Spirit that he deposited in me, he's given to every single one that is his child. So let's pray. Dearly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have grace and mercy abound for us. Lord, I know the reality of this room is there is lots of people the only need that they bend down to is the will of their own. And Lord, I have over and over again attempted to do that. Attempted to, to, to make it my will. And you have shown me over and over again, just like Peter. Lord, I pray that we would learn the lesson today. That there is one way and it is your way. And that there is grace and mercy in that way. There is joy and peace in that way. There's purpose and destiny in that way alone. Lord, we acknowledge right now that you are the vine and we are the branches. We acknowledge right now that apart from you that we can bear no fruit. And this morning we want to be fruitful in the kingdom. And that means connection to you. That means submitting to your lordship. That means actively listening and obeying your words. Lord, and I pray this morning for those that are in this room that we wouldn't just be condemned by what we're not, but we would be convicted to be moved to where we need to be. And Lord, I pray that today our knee would bend not to our desires, but to yours. So let us this week celebrate you. Look to you for what we need. And Lord, I pray that you would allow us to be your vessels of change and redemption in our world. And we praise you for the strength that you give those who carry your burden. So we pray these things in the awesome and mighty name of Jesus. Amen.